my fellow monster kids. Welcome to the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. It's Monster Kid Radio. I am your rejuvenated host, writer and producer, Derek M. Cook. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to take a week off. I am back, and I don't anticipate needing to take another week off anytime soon. Fingers and tentacles crossed. As long as I can book some more guests, I've got some openings I need to fill. So let me just say right off the bat, if you are interested in being a guest on Monster Kid Radio, drop me an email at monsterkidradio at gmail.com. Propose a topic or a movie or something to talk about. And if it's something that we can do, we'll, we'll make it happen. They're going to be a good time. I've got some movies that I'm looking at right now that I'd really like to cover with some people. But, you know, it's not about me. It's about you, the Monster Kids listening to the show. Thank you for helping to make Monster Kid Radio what it is. And what is it this week? Well, this week, we are announcing the winners of the 2022 Monster Rally Retro Awards, or what we call around here, the rallies. Every year, we look at the previous year's monster movies and recognize the best movie director, actor, actress, and monster, and we do it by decade. So we do the 30s, 40s, and 50s every single time we do one of these, which means this time around, we would normally be looking at something from 1937 to 38, 47 to 48, and 57 to 58, but the 30s and 40s were slim pickings when it came to 37, 38, 47, 48, and it just was a rough time to be a monster kid or a fan of fantastic cinema because there just weren't that many movies being made at the time. There are a lot of different reasons why. And, you know, Steve and I talk a little bit about it. Yeah, I said Steve, Stephen E. Sullivan. You know him, you love him. He's going to be on this week's episode of the show. Steve and I talk a little bit about this during the rally's announcements of the winners. But bottom line is there was a lot of things happening in the world. World War II was behind us. The ratings boards were, well, it wasn't really called the ratings board back then, but the film boards were kind of doing some things the uk wasn't letting horror movies come over it was a weird time so the ballot this year was kind of weird too if you head over to tinyurl.com slash rallies 2022 you can see the ballot for yourself now i've had to turn on quote unquote the ability for you to vote but we're not taking any more votes. I just had to turn it on so you can actually read the ballot and play along at home. Later this year, fingers and tentacles crossed, Steve and I will meet again to cover 1957 and 1958. And I suspect that ballot is going to be packed with traditional monster goodness because the late 50s, prime time for a lot of awesome monster movies. So that's what's coming up this week. And to celebrate, we are playing the unofficial theme song for the Monster Rally Retro Awards. The song that you're hearing right now is Kashyyyk Beach Party. It is from the album Meanwhile in Mallorca from the band The Hattori Hanzo Surf Experience. I love this song. Heck, I love the entire album, which you can find at Hattori Hanzo Surf Experience.bandcamp.com. Although it might be easier just to look up the song Kashyyyk Beach Party. We're all nerds and geeks here. I suspect y'all know how to spell the word Kashyyyk. 
It's a Star Wars reference. K-A-S-H-Y-Y-Y-K. Beach Party. Go check out the album. Let them know the Monster Kid Radio sent you when you're done listening to this episode of the show. Now, it would not be an episode of Monster Kid Radio without all of the regular bells and whistles. And this week, Mark Matsky's Beta Capsule Review, that's the bells, and Kenny's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland, that's the whistles. You've got that coming this week as well. In fact, why don't we go ahead and dive into that right about now? I am Dr. Lee Cushing. Welcome to my Chamber of Horrors. Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors is a monster rally novel in the tradition of the classic Universal and Hammer horror film. It's written by Stephen D. Sullivan, the award-winning author of White Zombie, Daikaiju Attack, Manos the Hands of Fate, and one of the creators of the original chill role-playing game. This book recreates the thrills of the classic monster versus monster film. We've got vampires, werewolves, mummies, psychic twins, scheming madmen, and plenty of unexpected chills. Now you can get Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors in print, or for Kindle at Amazon.com and other fine retailers. Coming soon in other ebook formats. Find out more at CushingHorrors.com or SDSullivan.com, and support Steve's work through Patreon at PaySteve.com. I do hope you've enjoyed your visit. Please come again, and remember, the chamber is always waiting for its next victim. Hi, I'm Jeff Owens. And I'm Richard Chamberlain. And we want you to join our club, the Classic Horrors Club. Every month, Richard and I host the Classic Horrors Club podcast, where we talk about our favorite subject, horror movies. Some of them are classics. We all go a little mad sometimes. And some definitely aren't. What you see is real. What's done is done and what I've done is right. It's the work of science. But we love them all the same. We also have special theme months where we highlight the legendary stars. And we head to the drive-ins of the past every summer for exciting double and triple features. Hi, I'm Chili Dilly, the personality pickle. And we even have occasional guests. My obsession, and it is truly an obsession, I suppose, of Frankenstein the True Story dates back to when it first aired in two parts on NBC in 1973. So join the fun and listen to the Classic Horrors Club podcast today. Hosted by SoundCloud, we're available wherever fine podcasts are found. And for even more fun, check out the video companion on our YouTube channel. And remember, we sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Live from the Land of Light in Nebula M78, home of the mighty Ultra Heroes, it's Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review. A monstrous menace makes off with the guest of honor at a birthday party attended by Anne Yuri in Ultra 7, episode 22, entitled The Human Farm. Anne notifies the Ultra Guard, who responds with an immediate investigation, yielding a series of strange footprints, which correspond to tracks found around the world. Anne's missing friend, Ruriko, is returned by her abductor, and she's found to be suffering with an unknown disease. 
While she's receiving treatment at Terrestrial Defense Force headquarters, an alien appears at her bedside, attacking Anne and Dan before being felled by a blast from Captain Kiriyama's pistol. An alien autopsy is conducted and a horrific realization is made. For the Buraco alien species, the bodies of human women are the perfect incubators in which to grow spores to feed on. As a result of this discovery, Anne and Ruriko are quarantined, and the only option the doctors can suggest is to expose the women to radioactive ray alpha-73. There are numerous problems with this suggestion, beginning with the fact that the ray comes from ore found only on Saturn. It's a three-day trip to Saturn in the Ultrahawk 2, and the lead doctor estimates the women have 15 hours to live in their current condition. Moments after this news is delivered, a fleet of Buraco flying saucers begins executing their plan to turn the Earth into a human farm. Episode 22 offers a solid snapshot of mid-series Ultra 7. The whole team is involved in the effort to stop the Buraco invasion and save Anne, with an emphasis on Dan's attachment to her. At the same time, we see Dan's unique predicament as one who cares for and depends on his squad, yet is set apart from them with the tremendous secret of his alter ego. After a number of episodes with rather involved kaiju battles, screenwriter Hiriyasu Yamaura takes things in a different direction. And while that means no monster fight, Ultra 7's powers are still utilized to satisfying effect. For Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review, this is Mark Matsky reporting. years into the terrifying future. A beautiful, horrible cave world you've never dreamed of. A beautiful girl and love. Mankind was made sterile in a great cosmic plague. A new Adam and Eve are the only male and female left to repopulate the world. I value my freedom more than this. So you will attempt this escape even though we try and stop you? Yes. The jealousy of a she-devil Freeze the bloodthirsty killer slaves. Follow me, soldiers of revenge. I'll lead you to the captain, to food, to freedom. <laughs> the last survivors of the human race are doomed to murder in a killer orgy by vicious subhuman mutants. Will you die 64 years from today? We challenge you to see the most terrifying picture ever made. The picture of your life or death.
It all begins as a summer vacation. A young family finds a beautiful old house. It could be the answer to their dreams. So you are the people who want to rent this house. Well, you mean it's $900 and then it's all ours? Or the beginning of a nightmare. <laughs> Burnt Offerings, starring Karen Black. Are you actually trying to tell me that this house is responsible? Oliver Reed. This house is destroying us. <laughs> Betty Davis. This house is getting so cold. <laughs> Burgess Meredith. This house will be here long, long after you have departed, you believe me? Eileen Heckert. When it comes alive, tell them what it's like. Burnt Offerings from United Artists. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Hello there, Monster Kid Radioheads. This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. In honor of today's Rally Award Show, we are going to look at the first award show FM covered, which occurred in 1978. It appeared in issue 143 from May of that year, and it was written by Uncle Forey himself. Let's hear what happened. History was made that night. Saturday, January 14, 1978, one night after Friday the 13th, and 45 years after I researched and published the first known list of fantasy films, a paltry total of 34 titles, from Aelita, the Russian silent Mars movie, to the Death Ray film with Tyrone Power's father, without warning, from 1924. Forty years later, due to the yeoman efforts of Walt Lee and the cooperation of worldwide assistance, the list had grown to 20,000 titles, including some titles that we hadn't known of, or hadn't existed in 1932. In between, I wrote letters to Hollywood producers and circulated petitions and created columns like Scientifilm Spotlight, Scientifilm World, Fantasy Film Flashes, etc., and even became an agent. My biggest book that got on the screen was This Island Earth. There were others in between, from Fiend Without a Face to Death Race 2000. It only took nearly half a century, after I reported an imaginary radio broadcast marathon called Science Fiction on the Air, for it to come true on TV. The Science Fiction Film Awards they were taped over a period of about three hours at the world-famous Coconut Grove, in the Ambassador Hotel, Hollywood, where 40 years earlier, as a young employee of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, I stood guard over the Oscars the year of the award-winning Gone with the Wind. Now it was the night of, On with the Wand, a magic night of celebration with science fiction, fantasy and horror at last coming into its own, and being recognized by a telecast to 80 syndicated stations in the nation's major cities, plus overseas viewing around the world. Captain Kirk and the Burnt Offerings Girl, Karen Black, were the master and mistress of ceremonies, and attendees at the gala affair got to see in person a galaxy of stars from Scientifilms and Imagimovies. Flash Gordon, Buck Rogers, and Tarzan were all there in the person of one single Superman, Buster Crab, and Buster, looking fit as a fiddle, got a standing ovation. Moses, in the person of Charlton Heston, parted the waves of humanity for God himself, George Burns, to make his way, slowly but surely, to the platform, to acknowledge his prophet. Octogenarian Burns, 81 years young, won an award as outstanding actor for his performance in the fantasy farce, oh, God. It was a delight to see Ray Harryhausen acknowledged with a rousing ovation. And to see FM protege Rick Baker receive some more of the applause the monster maker so Richard deserves. 
continued with a long list of other celebrities, including luminaries like Ray Bradbury, George Powell, and Christopher Lee. There were also previews of coming not-so-classic movies, including Star Crash, The Incredible Melting Man, Meteor, and The Fury. The big winner for the year was, of course, Star Wars, with close encounters of a third kind coming into a distant second. He concluded the report with this antidote. A highlight, to my mind, was Stan Freeberg's presentation of Orville, The Little Green Alien. Like Claudu and Gort, Orville came bearing words of wisdom for humanity and a gift of goodwill. Orville offered us a new kind of atomic bomb, which Stan and the audience didn't think was anything we much needed, until Orville explained the quality that made his extraterrestrial weapon so appealing. It doesn't work. He explained that once a year as people ritualistically gather around the bomb and beat it with sticks and all kinds of nice favors come falling out, as from a Mexican piñata. What do you call that? Asked Stan. Progress, the alien replied. The audience cheered. Next year, same time, same magazine, the further adventures of the Science Fiction Academy. That is all for this week's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. We will have more next time. For MKR, this is Kenny saying adios. Meet Jerry Landers, just an average guy, married, father of two. Every day he drives his late model car to Food World, where he is assistant manager in line for a promotion. Bright, personable, competent, Jerry Landers has every reason to believe he's a young man with a future. And he is, but it isn't at Food World. Read this. God grants you an interview. It's a gag. Pretty crazy gag. Not, uh, not what you expected, huh? Show him this. Warner Brothers presents John Denver and George Burns in Oh God I thought you didn't believe in me Uh, That's just an expression I'm more than that I want you to spread the word That I am I exist And you think it's God Well he thinks he's God And I'm in no position to argue with him I'm not a nut The ball is rolling Right over me Now watch over you Jerry, are you seeing now that you saw God? Three times. Three times. I can't make appearances all over, don't you understand? No, I don't. People would be dropping dead from hysterics. Can you sign this, please? What if it were you? What if you were given a chance, Jerry, to meet and speak up here with God? Let's go for a ride. What would it take to convince you it wasn't a joke? Change the weather. A little rain? Yeah, a, a small shower. One small shower, you got it. It's not raining outside. It's just in here. This is fantastic. Thank you. Here it is, as seen through the eyes of Jerry Landers, God. What would be the reaction of your friends and family? You're going to get kind of rusty. We had the papers, a little TV. I'm, I'm liable to lose my job. Now, I am not crazy. 
Well, God may have been interested in talking to you as an assistant manager. Now, we'll just see how he feels about you as a bag stuffer. And I don't need some child psychiatrist to tell me that I didn't talk to God because I did. Lose a job, save a world. And of all the people in the world, why would uh, he... I am not crazy. ...pick you? to try a little harder to get the word out? Well, I... Uh... Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give another shot. That's my boy. Oh, God. A funny, feel-good sort of movie about a mixed blessing. Magnificent. You've never seen anything till you've seen the sun through the rings of Saturn. Astronaut Stephen West was returning from outer space. But something terrible had happened. Remember now, his mind is so completely decomposed. We've got to find him. He's going to need human cells to live on. Stephen West had turned into the incredible melting man. And the more he kills, the longer he's going to live. Melting Man is the first new horror creature. Come prepared. So we're doing things a little differently today. Uh, we actually have Steve live on camera. This is not something we usually do, and it's a big old experiment here, and I can't actually see what I look like right now unless I go to the, uh, the Skype chat window, in which case I get to see me in a tiny little thumbnail. Up in the corner. <laughs> you you look the, the most Steve I've ever seen you look, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> what can I say? I don't know what that means. but uh, So we're trying a couple of things. Uh, this is uh, using some new software uh, that I've been using for the regular stream, but this is the first time we've tried to do a, a like this with this software. So I had to tweak some things, and I can't see what the ultimate end result looks like. So anybody who's in the chat right now, as we continue, if things start to go crazy and things don't look right, sound right, or whatever, please let me know. I really can't monitor it and watch the sound and everything else and at I'm the same time. I'm totally not so sure which way to look. Although I ma did manage to get the stream on my big television so I could see us, but only if I look over here. And I don't, th That's all right. <laughs> I don't think I'm my, so. And this is something I've noticed about myself, too, and I think I need to change where I've got my webcam. My webcam is right here on top of my monitor, but all the action is happening right down here. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this happened when I'm on the stream, when I'm chatting with everybody, that's what I end up doing. And I, I feel bad because I want to be making eye contact, you know. So it's just something i got to keep training myself, right, keep yeah. looking at the camera, looking I at the camera. I have that exact same thing. It's like, okay, I have to look down to read something. You know, if I'm doing right. video, I'm like, okay, I'm looking down to read. Wait, I'm supposed to be looking at the camera. Wait, I'm looking down. And, and we're going to do that all today. So, because, we've yep. got, you know, we've got the rallies to look at. And so there's stuff we have to exactly. read off of the screen or at least refer to. So, speaking of the rallies, if you listen to this on the Monster Kid Radio, what? You're going to hear a version of this on the podcast stream that comes out on monsterkidradio.net probably tomorrow night, Friday morning. It may be a little more polished, might sound a little bit better, and you're going to get all the bells and whistles. Basically, you're going to get the theme song 
the unofficial theme music for the rallies, which is uh, the song Kashyyyk Beach Party. I love the music. Uh, it, it's very Japanese game show, and I think it fits for what we're doing here. What are we doing here? This is a live recording of Monster Kid Radio with me, Derek M. Cook, your writer, host, producer, and to my, on my screen, I think he's on the right, I don't it's... know. Next to me on my screen is Stephen D. Sullivan. How you doing, hey, man? I'm doing pretty good. I am on the left, your left, which is the right side of the screen. So you're right, right. here. And, it, and it's okay. weird because right, I, our heads are about the no. same size, but I'm looking at a little thing that shows like much more of me, including my hands. So if I want my hands to be on screen, I have to kind of bring them in like this because, you know, I talk with my hands. So, yeah, with Monster, with, with the Monster Kid Radio thing that we're doing, uh, this is maybe like the second or third time I've ever done anything like this. So hopefully it works out, and I hope you are watching and enjoying it if you are new, please consider liking and subscribing. It certainly helps out the stream. Uh, you will be getting some ads if you are not a subscriber. That's just what Twitch does. It is. So. And, you know, the cost of getting the stream without the ads is like, the, it's five bucks. So it's like the cost of a, a cup of coffee at Starbucks, probably less. I haven't been to Starbucks in ages. So it's well worth it to eliminate yeah. the... I think it's eight to 10 minutes of commercials you've got. Although you cut it back because they wanted to put what, 17 minutes of commercials or something like that. It was crazy. I like, that's insane. Hey, it's like being on so. the networks, you know, you have 43 minutes of show and 17 right. minutes of commercials. Boom. Look at that. Tom, Tom from go forth and game just did a subscription. Look at that. Look at that. That's amazing. Look at Thank that. You, sir. That's awesome. Tom. All right. Awesome. So, uh, what are we doing today? We are announcing the winners for the Monster Rally Retro Awards, or the rallies, which is something that we try to do every year on Monster Kid Radio. Last year and a half has been really crazy for me, so things kind of fell behind. We are back on track, but not as normal, because we decided to break it up a little bit. <laughs> we had to break it up a little bit because 1937, 1938, 1947, 1948, slim years, man. So Steve is frozen up, which is something we're just going to have to deal uh -oh. with. Uh, so this is live. This is live. So, yeah. So Steve is back, kind of. Um, he should be back at this point. Please bear with us if there are any technical difficulties. Thank you, Tom, for keeping us uh, up to date in the chat. Yeah, I guess that's probably on my end. Can you hear me? I can hear you, sir. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to deal with 1937 and 1938 first. We're going to take a little break. And we we'll go to 1947, 1948. There are, what, five categories. Best movie, best director, best actress, best actor, and best monster. We put up a ballot, let people vote on it. It was open to everybody. There was a writing category as well. If you wanted to write something in, you could. I'm going to announce the nominees. Can I ask Steve who he thought won? We'll announce the winner. Sounds good. There were up to six nominees per category. If you wanted to, you could do a write-in vote. We had some write-in votes, but nothing really of... No, no upsets or anything like that. So, uh, let's see. What was eligible? Horror, fantasy, and science fiction movies. Basically, any monster movie or genre picture became eligible. And, uh, boy, we really stretched the definition <laughs> and scraped the bottom of the barrel for some of this. Well, and, and, um, uh, sometimes we actually scrape up. 
rather than scraping down. That's true. When I say scrape the bottom of the barrel, I don't mean, I mean, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is not bottom of the barrel material. But it's not what you think of when you think Monster Kid material. The pickings, as you may remember, were just very, very thin. And Slim. that was because of a change in the industry, uh, including a, a U.S. Uh, guy that was on the film boards that convinced the filmmakers in the U.S. that horror films would no longer be accepted into Great Britain at the end of the 30s and into the early part of the 40s, as I recall. So U.S. filmmakers just kind of stopped making monster movies. Now, they still played with some genre stuff. There are plenty of ghost movies, but nothing horror, you know? So, right. Anyway, let's dive into this, shall we? Let's, let's start with 1937 and 1938, the best movie nominees. We had six of them. The Black Doll, Night Key, a Night of Terror, Shh, The Octopus, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and Topper. <laughs> Which has ghosts. What a what a weird mix. Yeah, it has ghosts. What what a weird mix of movies here, man. Shh, the Octopus and Topper in the same category. <laughs> All right, cool. We got some Karloff. We got some yeah. Basil Rathbone. We got Cary Grant. <laughs> All right, who do you think won, Steve? Who do I think won and who should have won, I think, are the, the real questions. I'm, I'm thinking Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs should have won, and I think it probably did win, although Topper is a really, really good film. To recap a little bit about the others, and I did manage to see all of them, I think. We have a Voodoo Doll one. We have Boris Karloff as a mad scientist. We have Basil Rathbone basically playing the kind of character from a Hitchcock film who's you know, marrying women mm -hmm. to seemingly a nice guy to kill them. So, like, suspicion is it that has uh, Cary Grant, Joan Fontaine in it? Shh, the octopus is so. kind of a weird mystery thing with with a suddenly a sudden monster return at the end, and Topper, which is about two friendly ghosts that uh, pester a man after they're killed in a car crash. I think, as I remember. So, I'm thinking Seven White, uh, Snow White should win, and I think it it probably did win. That's my guess. You're correct, 52% of the vote. Uh, so more than half of the viewers and, and voters voted for Snow White. Topper came in second with 13% of the vote. We had one write-in for Lost Horizon, which I know we talked a little bit about when we did the nominees. So. Yep, and it's in the next category, too. So yep. we may talk about it again. So next category, Best Director, six nominees. We had Frank Capra for Lost Horizon. Lloyd Corrigan for Night Key. Walt Disney and Company for Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Interesting point. Walt Disney is not listed as the director of the film. But it's Walt Disney. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Roland V. Lee for A Night of Terror. William C. McGann for Shh, The Octopus. And Norman Z. McLeod for Topper. Now, again, I'm going to guess that Walt Disney should win. That, that that's the likely winner. Though, you know, if you've seen Lost Horizon, you know that Frank Capra, well, he's not, he's a force to be reckoned with almost any time he sits behind the lens. He was really terrific. And Norman uh, Z. McLeod, McLeod probably, is, uh, is also really good. But Walt Disney is, it's a, you know, Snow White is a classic. 
most of these are, are semi-classics, or some of them are, especially yeah. since we expanded the categories. But I'm thinking probably Snow White did win, and probably it, it should win, though. It might be a, a, a toss-up between Disney and Capra for the director. Well, you're right on all counts, because there was a tie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Walt Disney and Company and Capra both took home Best Director. Each one had 39.1% of the vote. I think it's really interesting that though our audience is generally monster kids, clearly they've seen some of these kind of non-monster kid fantasy movies. Sure. I'm glad that, that the audience has actually seen it and has responded well to it. It's a, it's a great film. All right, so we're going to move on to Best Actress, six nominees. And I'll tell you, the voting on this was probably the most evenly spread that I've seen for any category this time around. I can so best imagine actress that, nominees. you know, just looking over the field again. It's like, yeah. Oh, man. Constance Bennett for Topper. Billy Burke for Topper. Adriana Casaletti, did I say that correctly? Probably. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever heard it. She was or... the voice for Snow White. Yep, that, that wonderful, strange, high voice. Elspeth Dujan, which I may have mispronounced, but she was from... She's the old woman who does the transformation in the octopus. Uh, we got Nan Gray from The Black Doll, and then Lucille Laverne from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs as well. And she's the she's the Yeah, witch, she's right? the Wicked Queen. So, yep. and for me, I'm pretty sure I voted for her, because she's awesome. <laughs> she's got this great voice. And my guess would be that she probably... She probably won and probably should win. But again, when you start throwing in Constant Bennett, <laughs> Billy Burke, on top of, you know, people love Snow White just for, you know, the, the voice actress and the, the motion capture that they did with that, which would have been a, a form of rotoscoping. Um, yeah. It's hard. It's hard. But I, I voted for Lucille Laverne, and we'll see what the rest of you did. Well, Topper took it over because both Topper actresses came in tied. Wow. Um, Good for them. So Constance Bennett and Billy Burke, 21.7% of the vote each. Uh, all the others were 13% with the exception of Casaletti, who was at like 17% of the vote. So Cool. Thought interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, no, that is very interesting. Very interesting. You know, it's like we had, in some sense, expanding the categories has seemed to make them maybe a little more even some than they might otherwise be sometimes. Yeah. Cool. So we're going to move on to Best Actor, another six nominees in this case. We had Ronald Coleman from Lost Horizon, Cary Grant from Topper, Boris Karloff from Night Key, Basil Rathbone from A Night of Terror, Todd Slaughter from It's Never Too Late to Mend, and Roland Young from Topper. Uh, I love that we were able to, well, I did not, <laughs> so I get to make the call. Todd Slaughter, Boris Karloff, Bezo Rathbone. I would have loved to see the three of them team up in something. Um, yeah, no, that would have been terrific. Yeah, and I actually managed, interesting category. I managed to catch up, I think, with all of the nominees from this year. over the Since yeah. we actually did the nominees, and there were a bunch I hadn't seen. I hadn't seen Never Too Mate, Late to Mend. Never Too Mate to Lend? <laughs> Never Too Late to Mend, which is a fairly typical Todd Slaughter. You know, I'm the evil, the evil guy looking to marry the young woman and gain a fortune kind of thing. Uh, and Todd is, yeah. he is so wonderful in these films. Oh, he's great. You know, it's interesting to see Rathbone as kind of a a dastardly lady killer 
again, playing the kind of suspicion. Pretty sure it's suspicion. It's one of these. It's got right. too many one-word titles, and it's like suspicion's the one with Cary Grant, right? Yeah, I think so. Him playing what would so. later be the Cary Grant role in that. It may have even been based on the same story. I didn't research it that far. Karloff is always great. Uh, Ronald Coleman, he's fabulous. But Cary Grant is in this category. <laughs> <laughs> so who do you honestly, think, man? Who do you think took I it? I think he should win, and he probably did win. I'm pretty sure, even though Boris, I'll always vote for Boris in almost anything. I'm like, it's Cary Grant, man. <laughs> I gotta, gotta vote. Well, and they have that arsenic and old lace connection, too. That's true. Where Cary Grant was in the film version and Karloff did the right. stage. And just, yeah. Um, well, Cary Grant won by one wow. vote. One ahead of Karloff. Wow. It may have been my vote. Right. I wouldn't swear. Like I said, usually I'll vote for Karloff any time, but Cary Grant is Cary Grant. Cary Grant is Cary yeah. Grant. <laughs> so, final category, Best Monster. And this time around, we only had four nominees. We tried, folks. We tried real hard. And this time, we did kind of just grasp for Even with two years combined, it was really tough to come up with things that would qualify as monsters for our and audience even I, I wouldn't even i don't know if i if i were doing this this today i wouldn't have included the ghost of topper as one of the nominees because they're not monsters i mean they're ghosts but they're not so yeah right. i don't know yeah exactly. um but they're on the ballot as is the witch from the octopus and then two representatives from snow White and the seven dwarves the evil queen and the raven Man, we tried so we hard to come up with something. <laughs> we started reaching, grasping for feathers, what man, go and put the, the raven on the doll from the black doll. <laughs> oh, boy, it was a challenge, wasn't it? The uh, the evil westerners from from Lost Horizon. Where wow. could we go with this? You know, I suppose we could have put Basil Rathbone in from from the film he was in because he was definitely definitely a villain, but. It, does he tip over into a monster from Night of Terror? Oh, I don't know. Only man. in the 37 and 38 would we even consider doing that. So I am th- I probably voted for the Evil Queen, and I'm thinking she probably won and probably deserves to win, despite the really terrific end of, end of the film sudden reveal of the witch in Shh, the Octopus. And, so in this and who case... doesn't love that title? <laughs> It's a great title, and the transformation, oh my, I, I love it. That transformation it's really, is so it's good. It's really, really surprising when it happens, because it's all done in camera. Yeah. None, there are no special effects. It's all, you know, switching from red lighting to green lighting or the other way around, however they did it. It's just like, it's bang. brilliant. Very Dr. Jekyll and brilliant. Mr. Hyde. It's fabulous. Same technique, yeah. And uh, so good that it actually resonated enough with the listeners and the voters, the witch did come on by one vote more uh-huh. than the evil queen. So it looks like the viewers were like, yeah, the evil queen's not monster enough. We need that transformation. And I, so, I hear that. In some sense, the witch is the only actual classic monster on the list. So, although yeah. the, the evil queen does turn into a witch. So, you know. True. You do have that. <laughs> And True. she is a witch. She's you know she's an evil sorceress or a witch, depending upon which form you you prefer her in. So, very cool. Well, that's really interesting. That was that is uh, there's some things I didn't expect there. 
I love that we did include some of the more, um, for lack of a better term, classy film entries. You could have gone with esoteric. <laughs> ah, okay. Even though there they're, go, they're only, they're, it's like our films are esoteric to the larger audiences, and the larger audience films are esoteric to us. So right? <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, before we move on to 1947, 1948, Steve. Yes. What's going on with Atomic Tales, man? Uh, Atomic Tales is going strong. We are. I am working on uh, Chapter 19, Episode 19. Of course, all of them are self-contained. Well, there's one with a cliffhanger, but they're going really well. I have. I'm having a blast writing it. I'm going to be writing it for a while now, assuming life will <laughs> life will catch me a break for a little while. The uh, the one I'm working on should be out at the start of next month, assuming everything goes well for Christopher Mim and the uh, the artists that we record with. And so you can read it, or you can listen to it, or you can do both. Uh, it's one of my favorite things I've ever done, because it's a new short story every time, featuring ongoing characters and ideas, and, and a behind-the-scenes big arc, which now that I've got a little bit of time and have finished uh, first drafts on some of my other movies, books i'll now be able to hopefully forge ahead and get the big arcs and and probably most of the book done on atomic tales that's my goal but you know cross your fingers and see how it goes this just came up in the chat too will there be a book release for there totally will be a book release for atomic tales excellent excellent Uh, so for (laughs) listeners who don't know or viewers who don't know atomic tales some old school old-time radio show Written by Steve, produced by Chris Mim of St. Euphoria Pictures. And Chris, you know, the giant spider attacking the moon zombies. He's one of us. And he knows what he's doing. Uh, does he do the production, the post-production Yeah, he does on all, the, does he he does the, all the post-production okay. on it. You know, often he is the narrator. We have uh, Chris and, yep. and uh, two other people, Rachel Grubb and Stephanie Mim, uh, trade-off duties as a narrator in every, any given month. And then a lot of guests voices that come in and, and do read various parts a, a lot of which are ongoing parts so we've got um penny dreadful is one of the one of the other people that does an ongoing part uh my wife is uh, doing a, a new character that appeared in one of the recent shows that is an ongoing part in theory i have an ongoing part too but it's it's a character that doesn't speak much <laughs> and chris was like it's your time to do one of them steve and i'm like well, thank God it's the one that doesn't say much. <laughs> <laughs> if you are a fan of what I think is an underrated, underserved trilogy of films, trilogy, quote unquote, uh, of uh, Magnetic Monster, Gog, and what's the other one? Uh, the, the space one. Um, it's the one that's co-directed by Richard Carlson. Right. And he's, which is and he really cool. And it too. And it's... It's often seen in black and white, though it's an action. There's a color print as well. So, uh, what is the name? Is it was it released in? Color? Oh yeah, I've seen it in color. Wow. Yeah, T- Turner played it in color at least once, and I'm pretty sure that I've got it in color. And it's oh, Voyage into Space, Edge into Space. What is it? Riders to the there stars. There it is. Riders to the stars. That's it. Riders to the stars. Basically, uh, it's this trilogy of film. The first two in particular are very connected by this. Gog isn't as connected, but it still has some of some of it. Uh, it's it's basically this kind of what do they call it? The, the OS, office OSI trilogy, the Office of Scientific Investigation. 
created by Ivan Tors, who did a lot of stuff that us monster kids love. So if you're a fan of those movies, and if you're a fan of, I don't know, it's kind of got like a retro X-Files feel. Um, yeah, it's, it's really cool. But it's a story about UFOs and giant insects and giant, uh, giant other mutant creatures and stuff. So, and there's, you know, there is a, a backstory that ties it all together. And the, the heroes are agents at the USSB, otherwise known as the United States Science Bureau. And they travel across the country and, and uh, look into various strange goings on. So, uh, and encountered, you know, they've encountered things like giant, lots of giants ants. So there's a lot of them. <laughs> there's a lot of them in there. And we had a 50 foot woman in one. And there's going to be a blob in one of the coming up ones. And the, just about anything that that I think would be cool from the fifties is getting thrown in. And then there's, there will be a follow-up series to it too, in theory. First, I have to get through the, the, uh, the current series. And as I said, I think we're working on 19 and there's probably at least that many more to come. Right on. Now we have aired some of them on monster kid radio, but to get them brand new first run, you got to listen to the Mimiverse audio podcast. And, uh, Yep, that comes out right around the first of the yeah. month, every month, sainteuphoria.com. Link in the show notes. Check that out. Catch up with Atomic Tales. Uh, eventually, we'll rerun them on Monster Kid Radio, but obviously, we want to give them their time to shine as a first run on Chris's podcast, which is really cool. And whenever you get the book done, man, dude, readers, check it out. Because y'all should be reading Steve's books anyway. I know. I've got like five books, six books in productions or something like that now. Uh, in the meantime, check out Steve's library of books. Pick up any and all of them if you haven't already done so. Uh, SDSullivan.com is the best place to find everything going on with Steve. Check out all of his stuff or look him up on Amazon or whatever. I'm constantly playing ads for his stuff on the movie streams and running stuff in the podcast as well. So just, you know, support the Monster Kid. Support us. All right. Uh, so I did say that I'd mentioned the eBay auctions that I've been running. I've been running a ton of eBay auctions lately. And y'all have been coming out in full force for me, and I really appreciate it. Uh, I have been moving a lot of product. That's kind of what I'm looking at it as right now, uh, which has not only helped me pay some medical bills, but actually allowed me to get my rent paid a little bit early. So that's awesome. Thank you for doing that. I will awesome. be putting more material up on eBay over the next several weeks. Uh, I haven't done this yet. I've started listing a few things. But I'm going to be really doing a deep dive on CD soundtracks coming up here on eBay. So those will be coming, including some uh, Ultraman-type soundtracks. So that's on the way. Mm. And then also, I'm probably going to dive into some of my press kits and lobby cards. They've been in a box ever since I moved here. And before I moved to this place, they were in a box at that place. They're not up on the walls. I'm not enjoying them. Maybe y'all will enjoy them. So I've got press kits, I've got lobby cards coming, that I'm going to be putting on eBay as well. So all sorts of cool stuff coming. I'm looking forward to uh, just getting some of the stuff out to places and to people that are going to enjoy it. All right, so check this out. We've got uh, this Ultraman CD. I cannot read it. Um, <laughs> but it's got Ultraman music on it. I'm going to be putting this up for sale on eBay in the near future. So stay tuned for that. Also going to be putting up a soundtrack. Man, this is covered in dust. That's how long ago I've had this out. Uh, Ultraman 80. We've got a soundtrack album for Ultraman 80 coming. Very cool. And I may be bidding on some of these things. So uh, you guys can 
take them away from me, as, as I always say on the uh, so yeah on the weekly Some cool contest. stuff coming. Get in there, cool take stuff, the stuff from me. <laughs> and I'm doing the CDs relatively cheap because come on, it's physical media. Who really? It, anyway, uh, tinyurl.com/slash mkr eBay, or just look up Brother D seventy three on eBay, or follow the link in the chat right now. And as a reminder to people, we've got. You've got stuff that's ending in the next hour. Yeah. Some of yeah. which I'm I'm bidding on. So you have a chance also, to beat me out on this stuff tonight. I will combine shipping if we can, if it makes sense to do so. I know that means that you might be hesitant to bid on something if you've already won something else that doesn't expire for a while or whatever. Just drop me a line. I've had so many of you, and I have no problem doing this because I know you're good for it. You won one thing, but you've got two auctions going for something else that hasn't ended yet. You want to wait to see if you can get that so you can combine the shipping. Totally cool. Just let me know what's going on. Yeah, I've done so. that in the past, too. And it works. All right. Well, let's dive in to the second half of part one of the rallies. 1947-1948. There is a big movie on this list that I have a feeling is going to overshadow... <laughs> everything but you know what let's dive into it anyway steve are you ready yeah i'm ready and you know it's funny that you say that and of course it's going to come up immediately and i'm looking at the list and i'm thinking what a shame that some of these things are on here right against this film time (laughs) yeah all right well here we go and alphabetical order gives us the big movie we're talking about abbott and costello meet frankenstein This movie, man, oh, so good. Okay. We had an adaptation of The Monkey's Paw, a movie called Portrait of Jenny. Which I watched again, again, and it is even better than I remembered it. It's a fabulous film. It's a Joseph Joseph Cotton Cotton in it, right? Joseph Cotton plays the lead, and he's great. Scared to Death, which is technically the only Bela Lugosi film that he made in color. Yeah. Uh, A movie called Things Happen at Night, and then... That's the poltergeist film. Kind of get some dinosaurs in. Yeah. Unknown Island. Which is one of my personal favorites. And something I, I don't know if I introduced you to it, but I seem to have introduced a lot of people to it, either through you and the, the stream or well, whatever, yeah. because it is, I I love this film to death. <laughs> it's an it's awesome a great film. film. I think it's a great double feature with King Kong. Yep. I think, uh, wow, yeah, that'd be a fun thing to run together, actually. I can never show King Kong on the stream, but on Own Island, I've shown repeatedly. Right. Yeah. You know, make, make a good uh, double with Son of Kong or, or Mighty Joe Young, too. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, you know, and it's it's not a bad pairing for the Beast from Hollow Mountain. Um, yep. And, and it's got Richard Denning, who's great, and we'll talk about him here in a little bit. It does, Bart McLean as well. You know, it's Fantastic. really, really good. Well, who do you think won for best movie, Steve? <laughs> I think... That Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein almost certainly won. It deserves to win, although Portrait of Jenny is probably just as good. That's high praise. Well, yeah, Abbott Costello won. Um, it, it not even a contest. It blew everything out of the water. The only other thing from the ballot that got a vote was Unknown Island, and then somebody did a write-in for an inner sanctum. So uh, what a surprise! Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein won. The greatest horror comedy of all time wins a monster award. Well, let's go on to Best Director. I'm shocked. So we have six nominees for Best Director. Charles Barton, 
for Abbott and Gosselami, Frankenstein. And Walter Lance is listed as a co-director on that, but I suspect that he was pretty much the guy who did the animated stuff at the beginning. Right, yeah. I don't know if he even did the animated transformations for Bela. Maybe. No, just the titles, I think. Yeah, I think just the titles. So it's it's not really, I don't know, but whatever. Walter Lance, we love him anyway. So, yeah, we'll Uh, share credit. Sure. (laughs) Jack Bernard for Unknown Island. Uh, Henry Coster for The Bishop's Wife. Which Um, is a, a fantasy about Cary Grant is an angel who comes to Earth, and it's a great film, if you haven't seen it. Joseph L. Mankiewicz for The Ghost and Mrs. Muir. The Ghost and Mrs. Muir. Uh, George Seaton for Miracle on 34th Street. Boy, we're all over the place. And then Gene Yarborough for The Creeper. Which actually has a little bit of a monster in it. So it's kind of a suspense thriller, but it does have a, a kind of a Jekyll and Hyde monster twist at the end. What did the What did the voters say? Charles Barton won. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm shocked. All right. Um, All the other films are really worth seeing, though. Check them out. Yep. Well, let's go to Best Actress. Um, we have six nominees here. Only five got votes. <laughs> oh, wait. No, only four got votes. Nobody. Is that? Oh, no. So few votes. It didn't even turn up on the pie graph. Ah. All right. Here are the nominees. Lenore Aubert, did you say that right? Evan Casalami Frankenstein. Uh, Anne Blythe from Mr. Peabody and the Mermaid. We put Virginia Gray on here for two movies. Uh, Virginia Gray for Unknown Island and Who Killed Doc Robin. Maureen O'Hara for Miracle on 34th Street. Jean Tierney for The Ghost and Mrs. Muir and Loretta Young for The Bishop's Wife. I probably voted for Virginia Gray because she was in, you know, because I love unknown island and she was in another one too but lenore Aubert is terrific all these women are terrific in these films lenore won almost half the vote not surprisingly let's dive into best actor we have seven nominees I, i couldn't pick just six i had to add one more so here we go lon cheney jr from abbott castellamy frankenstein richard denning from unknown island Santa Claus, Edmund Gwen from Miracle on 34th Street, Rex Harrison, who's amazing, and The Ghost and Mrs. Muir, Bela Lugosi for two films, Abbott Costello Frankenstein and Scared to Death, Barton McLean from Unknown Island, and Onslow Stevens from The Creeper. Why did we do seven? <laughs> I don't know, man. That was you. <laughs> because there's just... All right. Who we're going to leave out, you know? I mean, all of these yeah. are excellent performances. I think Barton McLean's on there. Again, so more people will pay attention to this film because it's a film noir dinosaur fi- picture, folks. I think you, you really get, beat the case for Barton McLean. And if you can get past the fact that it's men in suits, practical effect dinosaurs, which I totally love. <laughs> if you can yeah. get past that, it's a great little dinosaur film. It is. So you can even watch one of the guys in the suit collapse from heat prostration during the filming. Yep. Um, boy, this is a, a toss-up for me. I have voted for Lon Chaney Jr. every time he's appeared as the Wolfman on the rallies, I'm pretty sure. Okay. But this time, he's up against Bela Lugosi. Uh, not in scared to death, but as 
Dracula. Only the second time he officially played Dracula in his great long career. You yeah, know, second, the Dracula. Second, yeah, he, uh, I mean, second he's known for Dracula, but he played him twice on for feature films, and that's it. Right. So. And I honestly, I think I probably voted for Bela Lugosi. And I think he well, deserves to win because I think he's awesome as Dracula. He is Dracula. And if we'd only gotten to see him do it more, yeah, Armand Tesla, if you want to count that one. But there you go. Dracula and Santa Claus tied for second place. Um, there's a team up I didn't think I kind of wanted. <laughs> uh, the winner is Lon Chaney Jr. Uh, what a surprise. <laughs> well, he's fantastic. He's It is. I mean, he's... He's so good. His Larry Talbot is just It's his best. best role. You know, it's his best role. He created the role. It's honestly it's like watching Bela play Dracula. It's mm-hmm. how do you pick between them? I I tossed a coin. I think I picked Bela because I voted for Lon so many other times. But I'm not surprised. Well, we are down to our final category for best monster. Um, with a movie like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, it dominated this category. Uh, Dracula, Frankenstein's monster, the Wolfman, and Dr. Sandra Mornay. Um, the evil scientist and later vampire. Right. Who's fantastic. She's also the gorilla from Who Killed Doc Robbins, because you got to have a gorilla somewhere. And finally, the dinosaurs and other monsters from Unknown Island. Boy, what do you think, man? As much as I love the dinosaurs from Unknown Island, and gorillas are always good in any movie. In fact, we have a gorilla that's called a sloth in Unknown Island. Right. I think they didn't want it to be too much of a ripoff of King Kong. Look at the four from Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein. I find myself torn in the same way I was in the last category. Am I voting for Dracula because it is Bela's Dracula or the Wolfman who is creature from the black lagoon aside my favorite universal monster i'm guessing the wolfman won maybe bella should have won bella should have won but how can you not vote for the wolfman when it's being played by either uh, lawrence talbot or el hombre lobo for paul nashi later on <laughs> which well, technically el hombre lobo is the wolfman so yeah. it's not the same character but yes uh i'm i'm thinking that uh Wolfman wins. Actually, it went the other way this time. Dracula gets his comeuppance. <gasps> Dracula won. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Dracula won. By one vote. By one <laughs> vote. Dracula came in. Vote. I don't remember which way I voted. 43.5% of the vote. But that's it. That's the rallies. Now, later this year, maybe within the next month or two, Steve and I will get together again to do 1957 to 1958. That's going to be an undertaking which i think it's going to give us a lot more to do yeah so that that's why this is only part one part two is coming later this year stay tuned for that ladies and gentlemen thank you for being here of course those of you who stuck around in the stream not a lot of viewers alive but that's okay um those of you who are here thank you i appreciate you otherwise those of you who are listening at home after the fact thank you for downloading and listening i appreciate you as well Count Dracula sleeps in this coffin, but rises every night at sunset. Chick is right. 
This is awful silly stuff. Top Comics, Abbott and Costello, petrified but hilariously. <laughs> Plus the dangerous and terrifying Wolfman, played by Lon Chaney. Plus that fiend out of a nightmare, the vampire Batman, Count Dracula, played by Bela Lugosi. Plus the most dreaded creature of them all, the Frankenstein monster, played by Glenn Strange. Plus a couple of luscious but designing females in the spookiest laugh fest on record. That brings us to the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. I want to thank you for being here. Thanks for downloading the show. Thanks for checking everything out. It means a lot to have you here. If you are somebody who watched the announcement of the Rally Awards this past Wednesday night, thank you for being there as well. Now, what happened that night was filled with a lot of technical issues, and I tried to edit around a lot of that for this episode of the podcast. But, you know, things happen. It was live. I'm trying to do better, and I think moving forward, if we're going to do any more live episodes of Monster Kid Radio like that, we're really going to have to come up with some other solutions. I don't know if that means using some other technology for the guests to come in. I don't know. But it was fun to do. Only had a few viewers, but for those of you who were there, thank you. I appreciate you. That happened on the stream over at twitch.tv slash monsterkidradio. You know what's happening on the stream this Saturday? It's Dick Miller Day. That's right. We're going to be honoring Dick Miller. The man has done over 180 TV shows and films, and a lot of those things are things that we love, monster movies. Not all of them I can show on the stream, but some of them I can, like Bucket of Blood, War of the Satellites, The Terror. I think we're even going to sneak in the original Little Shop of Horrors. No, I know he wasn't the lead in that, but he's in it, and it's something that we can show, and it's a fun movie anyway. So, Check out the stream, twitch.tv slash monsterkidradio, this Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific for the pre-show. The movies themselves start around noon. And join the Monster Kid community. Always a good time. It's the only time I'm going to encourage you to chat during a film because there's a live chat happening the entire day. Typically around 6-ish or so p.m. Pacific. I pop in live and we hang out and then we watch one more movie. It's fun. I enjoy doing it and enjoy sharing movies and being part of, well, the community that you helped build. Now, on Tuesday, we do something similar. Around 3.30 p.m. Pacific So when the pre-show kicks off. And then around 4 o'clock, the movies start. And this time around, the Monster Kid Astronomy Club, where we normally show science fiction films, is transforming, reverting back to the Monster Kid Cliffhanger Club. We're going to be kicking off some brand new, well, new to the stream, Serials. Serial cliffhangers, man. It's a fun 
subgenre to just kind of wallow around in and hang out in. I love it, and I'm hoping that you love it too, especially since this Tuesday we're going to be showing the first half of the entire run of the serials Dick Tracy vs. Crime, Inc. and The New Adventures of Tarzan. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. So come back for that. Also, I do like to pop in live a little bit there as well. So around the same time, six-ish, as soon as I get off work, basically, I hop on and we hang out. So head over to that. What's coming up on the podcast next week? I have no idea because I'm still trying to book some guests. However, I can guarantee you there will be an episode of Monster Kid Radio next week. And there will be a special guest. That's all I got. I know it drives Kenny nuts when I don't have something lined up so he can start preparing a famous monster segment, but I promise something is coming. Something is coming. Head over to monsterkidradio.net to learn everything you need to know about Monster Kid Radio between episodes. Everything's there. Links to the Twitch stream that I mentioned, our Twitter, our Reddit, our Discord, our Facebook page and Facebook group, and our Twitch, as well as links to everything that we've talked about here in the show. I will make sure there's a link to Stephen D. Sullivan's page and a handful of his books in the show notes over there as well. Please, if you consider picking up any of his books, follow the link over at monsterkidradio.net to get to Amazon to buy the books, because if you follow that link, it helps us out. We're an Amazon affiliate, and it takes like maybe a nickel out of Jeff Bezos's pocket and throws it into the Monster Kid Radio coffers, and believe you me, every little bit helps. I'll also make sure there's a link to my ongoing eBay listings. I've got a whole bunch of stuff going up on eBay. I have been amazed by how much people are supporting me on eBay by picking up some pretty cool stuff. And I'll just tell you, I've got too much stuff on my shelves and in boxes and not enough stuff in my bank account. So check us out on eBay. I will be posting a number of CD soundtracks on Saturday, at the very least, there's going to be even more stuff coming. I just, it's been awesome. It makes me feel good to kind of share this stuff that I haven't been able to enjoy for whatever reason for so long with you. The only other big bit of news that I want to share with you is that if you are in the Portland, Oregon area, yeah, I know I'm in Vancouver now, but I'm going to be heading up to Portland, heading up, no, heading down to Portland on Saturday, July 9th, because of the Hollywood Theater they are showing a 35-millimeter print of Conan the Barbarian, the original, the 1982 film, 9 p.m. I'm going to be there. My girlfriend's going to be there. There's a good chance that some of you that I've spoken with on Facebook are going to be there as well. And you know what? I may even bring my portable recorder, and I may even record something for the show because we will soon be getting the double feature, the, the double header, the two hit. Two hits? Is that a phrase? The, the, the double shot? We're going to get our Conan on because we're going to be talking about Conan the Barbarian here on Monster Kid Radio with Steve Turek. And then Conan the Destroyer, we're going to talk about that movie over on Steve Turek's podcast, the Diecast Movie Podcast. I'm excited. I'm really excited. I'm especially excited because I'm going to be re-recording my conversation with Steve Turek about Conan the Barbarian. We had an epic conversation a while back. And some of the audio didn't work out. And I've since misplaced that audio file. Uh, the file is gone. I don't know what happened to it. So Steve has agreed to re-record that with me. So we're going to be getting our Conan on. Is Conan a monster kid movie? Is it a monster movie? Well, there are monsters in it. 
And I do love me some Robert E. Howard, and I know a handful of you do too, so we'll be coming at it from a monster kid point of view when we talk about it. Anyway, if you're in the area, July 9th, 9 p.m., the Hollywood Theater. I don't know what kind of ticket sales are doing right now. I don't even know which screen they're going to be showing it at, so I don't know how many seats are even left. But if you're going to be there, look for me. I'll be wearing a monster collage Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, I think that's what I call it. Monster collage Hawaiian shirt. It was that limited edition shirt that I was selling there for a little while, and it may be coming back later this year. So if you missed your opportunity, then it, it's coming back. So in the meantime, other Monster Kid radio shirts you can pick up, just head over to our Tee Public shop. They're actually doing a sale right now, $14 for a T-shirt. And I've got all sorts of designs over there. A lot of them are based on episodes of Monster Kid Radio. A lot of them are just what I think are pretty cool pieces of art that I've thrown together. Anyway, go check it out. It's at Tee Public. There's a link in the show notes. Or just go to tpublic.com slash stores slash Monster Kid Radio. One more thing. I mentioned my girlfriend a second ago, and she actually had this idea. So this is all on her, and I love her for it, and for other reasons too. But this is an idea that she had, and I love it. I have been showing her some of my favorite movies. She's going to be showing me some of her favorite movies too, and she has. But... You know, my movies are the monster movies, and I love sharing them with people, and I love sharing them with the people that I care about. So, I've shown her a creature from the Black Lagoon and the Monster Squad. Well, she looked at me after that and suggested that I put the call out to you, dear listeners. What is the next monster movie I should show her? She is a geek. She is a nerd. She loves her Star Wars. We really have been enjoying Star Trek lately. She's a single mom, and her kids were prime age for all the Harry Potter stuff that came out. So she's got a strong geek and nerd chunk of her. I don't know where I'm going with this. Bottom line is, I love my nerdy girlfriend, and I want to share with her some of my monster movies. What is the next movie I should show her? Now, I want to put some parameters on here. Actually, just one. No Manos, The Hands of Fate. I love Manos, The Hands of Fate. Unironically, y'all know this, but... It is an acquired taste, or it's not an easy movie to love, unironically. I know this. I know that my point of view with that movie is a little skewed and a little different and a little influenced by the fact that I thought I was going to be a filmmaker when I grew up, and a whole bunch of other things. But I love that movie. I'm not going to show that to Beth. I feel like if I'm going to continue sharing my love of monster movies with her, I really need to be selective with what I share with her because I, I don't, well, quite frankly, I don't want to scare her off. So Manos is off the table. What should I put on the table? What is the next movie? Do I show her a Hammer film? She's not overly familiar with Hammer films. Do I deep dive into the universal stuff again? Do I show her a Kaiju film? I, I don't know. What do you think? Her suggestion was ask you. And then after she and I watch it, she's going to come on the podcast and we're going to talk about it. I'm excited for this. I think this will be really cool. Uh, I'm excited to get her on the show. I'm excited to share her with my podcast or my podcast with her. You know what? I'm just excited because Beth is an incredibly special person to me. Uh, I think she's an amazing individual. She works for a haunted house. She is one of the high muckers. She's a manager at PDX Scaregrounds here in Portland. 
They pay her to design haunted houses. How cool is that? So yeah, I want to share her with the show or the vice versa. I did it again. I don't know. I just want her to, I just want her to be part of the world, that world. I, I'm not going to sing a Disney song, but she, I, I am so in love with her that I get all flustered and confluffered and tongue-tied when I start talking about her. So why don't I just remind you how you can get a hold of the show, Monsters in the Machine, do your job. You've had a week off. You can call and leave a voicemail for Monster Kid Radio at 503-810-5MKR. That's 503-810-5657. Or you can send an email to the podcast. MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com is the email address. That's monsterkidradio at gmail.com. Any comments about the show? Any input, feedback, suggestions for what movie to show Beth? I'd love to hear it. Until next week, Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC for just a little bit longer. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 Unported License. Of course, it doesn't apply to the song Kashyyyk Beach Party. That is copyright 2016. The Hatari Hanzo Surf Experience. My name is Derek M. Cook. For Steve, for Mark, for Kenny, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to everybody next week. Ciao. Mm-hmm.